Welcome to Act Your Age, a podcast where two adults dive into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Corinne. And I'm Tasia. And today we are talking about Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli, as well as the film adaptation, Love, Simon. But before we get into this week's book and movie, Tasia, what are you obsessing over this week? So the only book that I've finished in like the last week or so was Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. And mm. it is, I, I guess it's like a pre-Columbian um, mythology from the Americas and, and just a really, really crazy, cool, like imagery and just mythology that you don't get a lot. Like I, I, don't, I didn't know a lot about this yeah. mythology before reading this, but um, this is a planned trilogy, I guess. So that's just the first book. The second one is coming out, I think next year or later this year, but yeah. It is, uh, it's incredible. It was like, uh, I haven't read like a seriously epic fantasy like that in a while. Yeah. The only thing, I mean, maybe the poppy war, but that's almost more of like a military fantasy, you know, mm-hmm. and this one was just like just a straight epic fantasy. And, uh, it was really great. I've heard nothing but good things about it. I've seen a lot about it on bookstagram and I'm very intrigued by it although I don't know why I like thought it was sci-fi I guess maybe just the word sun being in it and the cover kind of looks like it could go either way yeah so uh, I'm like infinitely more interested now that I know it's fantasy not sci-fi yeah Uh, but uh, and I obviously always take your recommendations very seriously of course so I have a library hold on it now so and there's like a crow god figure and you know that's you know sign us sign us up we love a bird (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no we don't that's like such a lie this is a very corvid heavy podcast as it turns out if i see a bird in real life i'm like not on board with it but like give me all my crows and my ravens uh in yeah. fiction and i'm down with that that's really funny uh i see you have something else noted here too <laughs> yes i recently started gossip girl like the original one about you know 15 years late to the party or whatever it is mm. but um yeah i'm I think I started season two. I don't Excellent. know. I, I haven't watched it a few days, so I need to go back and check. But I kind of immediately got sucked in, which is not something I was expecting. I was kind of expecting to be like, you know, oh, just silly, trashy kind of fun. And it is, mm-hmm. but it really does like pull you in just so fast. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm on that train currently. I love that for you. That's fabulous. <laughs> I have not watched it since it was on originally, but I did very much like it back in the day. I was very excited about the reboot that came out this year. And unfortunately it's just not working for me. And I have stopped watching. Yeah. Which is really sad because the cast of the new one is particularly gorgeous as a collective, but oh, well, (laughs) but that's really fun. I like it. It It's fun. I am actually really surprised in myself that I haven't been messaging you about it constantly. Hmm. This yeah, is, this is new information to me. Literally the first time we've talked about it. But um, I know. Yeah, I wanted to to send you some like Chuck Bass hate uh hate mail. Mm, interesting. I, I don't know how much I can partake in that, but early season Chuck, uh, I get it's, it. It's my opinion is starting to shift a little bit, but I'm still very mad about like the very early sexual yeah. assaults. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of early in the show that you kind of have to like look past because when it first mm-hmm. aired, whenever it like didn't get the attention it should have. So watching it now for tw- first time in 2021, it's like, uh, uh, no. 
Yeah. And for being a show that isn't even that old, it does very much feel like a product of its time where that kind of stuff is very just sort of disregarded an episode later and not a big deal to anybody involved, including the victims. So yeah, it's a lot of people say just kind of to jump past that stuff because it like doesn't come up again. I think they like realize the error of their ways like pretty early and then they're just like, okay, we need to just write the ship here. Yeah, I am. I am into him with Blair a lot. I like their I like their thing. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Shock and Blair forever. So (laughs) anyway, well, that's very exciting. Love that so much. Uh, I'm also getting into a TV show that I've been sleeping on that not quite as old as Gossip Girl and still airing technically as Peaky Blinders. I don't know why I was not really interested in watching it for a long time. I think I just assumed it'd be way more violent than it is, even though I, as an, a mortal human being, have <laughs> obviously forever been drawn in by Killian Murphy's beautiful blue eyes and mm-hmm. chiseled cheekbones. I, I just never really started watching it. And I'm now into season two. I'm all in. I'm obsessed. I texted you that my thesis statement for the show is that Tommy Shelby, who is Kelly Murphy's character, is basically grown up Kaz Brecker, except instead of touch trauma, he has World War One trauma and there's no cane. But other than that, like it, a lot of it, it's, it's not a total yeah. one for one, but I'm no, I can definitely it. see it. I've only seen like one or two episodes of Peaky Blinders and I can definitely see it. Yeah. Also, how wild is it that like Killian Murphy's entire look is just so perfect for that entire aesthetic of their show? It's it truly is perfect. And there's just like a lot of good looking people going on. There's also like way more of a romance angle than I thought that there would be going in. So obviously I'm a sucker for that. Like mm-hmm. immediately the first episode, I was like, oh, this is where we're going. <laughs> I see. I see. Uh, so no, but it, uh, it's I love the familial element of it all. And I've just really been getting into it. And I'm sad to have been holding out on it for so long, but I'm just going to be in perfect time for the last season ever, which I think they finished filming earlier this year. So how many seasons are there? I think there's five out and then six will be the last. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy because it's only six one hour long episodes per season. So it's not like a total huge oh, commitment. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I find it very propulsive and I immediately want to play the next episode and I get some pushback on that in this household, which is <laughs> ultimately probably good because it's like spreading out and savoring it. Cause I could just plow through the show. Like mm-hmm. I, I, there's just enough every episode. They're like, Oh no, I need to know more. I need to know more. But anyway, I'll survive. And then also sleeping on things here, this more uh, germane to this podcast is I finally read all of the Caraval trilogy by Stephanie Gerber which is kind of one of the more, I think, popular, most talked about YA fantasy trilogies of the last decade, I'd say. Mm -hmm. I'd always heard a lot about it and seen a lot about it and finally decided to pick it up uh, ahead of the first spinoff book in the Caraval universe, which is called Once Upon a Broken Heart, which is coming out later this month. And I really loved it a lot. I mean, it's kind of night circus light. I would say Caraval is kind of circus like it's a game more so, but it has very mysterious origins and it's very magical. And it's about these two sisters who grew up with the legend of Caraval, which is run by a mysterious figure named legend. And 
the first book is told from one sister's POV and the sisters end up getting sucked into the game. The second book is from the other sister's POV. The second book was where it was at for me. That's when I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm in love with everyone. Oh, this is my <laughs> new book boyfriend. I can't identify my book boyfriend because there's so much of the book is like a mystery. The whole series is a mystery. It keeps you guessing about what all the twists and turns of the game are and who legend is, is a big question in the series as well. And so that was really fun. The third book, the last book in the trilogy left me with more questions than answers. And in some ways I kind of think Stephanie Gerber was kind of like, y'all are just here for the romance. So I'm going to write some good romance for you. And who cares about my world building and questions you may have, which I like respect because honestly, the romance is very compelling to me. But then on the other hand, I'm like, okay, but maybe she purposely left all these open threads so that she can write more in the world and we're already getting that. So I really liked it. It was, it was really fun. It was like a solid four star series out of five, I would say, uh, very propulsive, very compelling. And I would also recommend you don't read the summary for once upon a broken heart because before you read it, because it kind of gives the game away in terms of some of the characters you've met in the main series. So uh, anyway, it, that's going to be really fun. It's a, it's a, about a character that I just like immediately imprinted upon. So I'm very <laughs> just about it. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my obsession recently. And then we read this book and watched this movie and I liked it. I liked the book a lot. Uh, what did you think? It's funny because we've talked about this off air that um, we both had previously seen Love, Simon, but never read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of us had liked Love, Simon as a movie and then mm-hmm. read the book and rewatched the movie and the movie falls so flat after reading the book. Like, yeah, I feel really like it, it just like flubs all of like the emotional moments and stuff. So that's going to be an interesting comparative conversation to have, yeah. but, um, yeah, I did like the book actually a lot more than I expected to. I I did too. And we'll talk about the reasons why as we go through, but yeah, it really surprised me. This is only my second ever Albertalli book. I have read her newest, which is Kate and waiting. And I liked it fine. Like it was a good Mm -hmm. book, Uh, but obviously this is what she's most known for. And she's really like spun out the, they they call it the Creek first. I think they do like she's had several spinoff books and now love Victor is a spinoff TV show. That's on Hulu. And um, so, yeah, she definitely like ran with it. But uh, based on what I know about some of those other properties and reading I've been doing about them, this one's the OG is the best. This is often yeah. the case. It it's sounds as like. good as it gets. Yeah. But that said, I, I, I did really like this a lot. I'm excited to talk about it. So before we get started, as we always do, we will start off with a quick book summary and then we will dive on in. Simon Spear is a 16-year-old high school junior with what appears to be a perfect life, loving parents, two great sisters, and his three best friends, Nick, Abby, and Leah. Unbeknownst to his family and friends, however, Simon is hiding the fact that he's gay. One day, he learns through his school's confession website that there is one other gay student at at his Georgia high school. The two begin emailing each other under code names. The mystery student is blue, and Simon goes by Jacques, referencing Jacques Adiv, the French for Simon Says. Simon finds himself falling in love with Blue, who shares his love for Oreos and his fear of coming out, but Blue is uncomfortable about revealing his identity to Simon. Disaster strikes when Martin, one of Simon's classmates, stumbles upon these email communications and uses them to blackmail Simon into helping him get a date with Simon's friend, Abby. 
Simon reluctantly agrees in order to protect Blue's secret, inviting Martin to hang out with Abby several times. Abby isn't interested as she's falling for Nick. Leah, who's never, who hasn't ever really warmed to Abby, is interested in Nick too. As time passes, Simon wonders about who Blue could be, suspecting boys like Cal Price, the stage manager of the school play, soccer player Bram Greenfeld, and even Martin playing a, a cruel trick. Simon comes out to Abby and is relieved when she takes it well. Things go sour when Martin and Simon argue, and Martin retaliates by outing him on the school's confession site. Simon becomes the subject of harsh bullying at school, and Leah gets upset at him, feeling betrayed that he told Abby over her. He comes out to his parents, who, who thankfully accept him. Simon tells Blue that he wants to meet. After the last performance of the school musical, Simon goes to the carnival and waits for Blue on the tilt to whirl. Blue turns out to be Bram. The two ride the ride together and decide to date the next day at school. Simon reconciles with his friends and the group meets up with Bram and Garrett as they watch Abby and Leah perform at the talent show. Cute. Cute book is cute. It's, yeah, exactly. It's a cute book. You know what I really loved, which I guess, I don't know why I didn't expect it given that my only other Albert Holly book was Kate and Waiting, which is like the theater kid book of all theater kid books. Yeah. That I was not expecting this book to be just such a delight for my theater kids self. I, it was way more than what's in the movie. I quite frankly forgot that there even did a musical yeah. in the movie, uh, but this was like really leaned in and it just really made me feel a lot of things about high school again, just like sneaking off to different parts of your school and singing Disney songs and like sneaking <laughs> into your auditorium. I mean, my senior year of high school, I ate lunch on the stage of the auditorium every day, second semester, because we were so sad to be leaving our theater. So like I get this majorly. And as I said to you <laughs> off air, uh, they do Oliver in the book in the movie it's cabaret which always seems to be like what pop culture decides like we're doing a musical like let's have the cabaret <laughs> like Schitt's Creek did it and like Glee did it and yeah it, it is a little more uh jazzier I guess than Oliver but I did do Oliver the summer between my freshman and sophomore years of high school and there are photographs out there of baby Corinne age 14 <laughs> in her Dickensian costume and that uh, was great I'm gonna try to find a picture of it I literally was at my parents house the morning that I started reading book like I started reading it later at night and that's where like all my high school photo albums yeah are. so I'm like oh they're they're not here so I don't know if I can hold on to that promise but uh, that part of it really delighted me but you know, obviously, again, my perception coming into this book was, as you said, like based on the movie, which I feel like really takes like the thesis statement of the book and like kind of changes it mm -hmm. totally to be way more of like a coming out story than I think the book actually is. Yeah, it feels way more of just like of a love story. Yeah, it totally does. I think you know, obviously too, like the book deals a lot with the idea of coming out as well, but it's not like really Simon's main thing. Like it is, but like also he spends so much time thinking about like the idea of how he doesn't want to change and how he 
he's tired of every time he grows and does something different, that's met by like with resistance and questioning. Like you think uh-huh. he thinks things like I'm tired of coming out. All I ever do is come out. I try not to change, but I keep changing in all these tiny ways. I get a girlfriend, I have a beer and every freaking time I have to reintroduce myself to the universe all over again, which feels just like very teenager to me. Yeah. Like, and so for him, yeah, like him coming out, as gay is like the next is a very big thing, obviously, but it's all like building upon all these feelings he's already having. It's a symptom. Yeah. And so that I think to me was the most shocking change, or I guess changing my perception going into the book versus the movie, because it, it just felt so much more realistic and also felt more realistic to me when you stop to think about like, one of the critiques always of this book is that it's like very white and it's very privileged mm-hmm. and it, it feels more kind of almost realistic to me that like Simon wouldn't be like so nervous about the fact that he is gay given his parents being so supportive as they are like I feel like the movie kind of veers towards some gay panic moments that the book like never gives me if yeah. that makes sense yeah yeah so I, I just, I really liked it. for a YA book. Like I just felt like it was so, if you're a teenager and you're reading it, it feels so relatable to like just those feelings of like, you're so unsure of yourself when you're a junior in high school and like, who am I going to be? And like, this is this other big thing that of course is going to be a thing. And yeah, so I just, I really liked all of that. Yeah. I also think the book has more or like more in-depth conversations about things that are really important. Like about how straight being the default and white being the default yeah, and, and the feelings of like, you know, noting how, how parents automatically worry about their children having co-ed sleepovers, but they don't worry about their kids having same sex sleepovers because the automatic assumption, like the default is straight. Yeah. And, and also handling like the small family stuff and like the, the microaggressions here from like his dad, you know, seemingly well-meaning and, you know, he's, he's coming from this liberal family, but his dad is constantly telling gay jokes and, and talking about, Oh, this is like, you know, this guy's a one man pride parade. He's a eternal flame stuff like that. And it's like, you know, I think Simon at one point says, he says that awkward moment when you realize you've been making gay jokes in front of your gay kid for the last 17 years. And then, you know, his dad having to kind of, come to terms with that and realize that he has been unintentionally hurting his kid this whole time and stuff like that, that like the movie sort of touches on, but it doesn't like, it gets wrapped up with a pretty bow and just never really actually talked about. Yeah. Related to that. One of the things I really like is exactly what you said, the stuff like with his, his dad. And I love this quote, which is from, Leah Simon's thinking back on it because Leah's talking about how she would rather have someone call her fat to her face versus mm-hmm. just like criticizing fat people around her. And the quote is nothing is worse than the secret humiliation of being insulted by proxy. And yeah. so I really, I really like that idea a lot too, because that's like something that's so common, right? Where you just hear someone running their mouth off about something. You're like, that's me, like whatever mm-hmm. thing it might be. Uh, so yeah, there are all these like really good, like little moments peppered in about other things too. I especially love the, and you talk, touched upon this a little bit too, but like white being the default and mm-hmm. how he 
is surprised, even though Bram was one of the people he thought might thought. be blue, mm-hmm. he's still shocked that that Bram is is blue and that blue is black. Like he he yeah, and he thinks he knows how wrong it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think he says something uh, like he, he wants to kick himself, thinking back on on his assumptions that blue would be white mm-hmm. because that's him again, like doing the same thing that's been done to him, which is assuming a default that you know, there shouldn't be any defaults. Yeah. Again, our perception is colored by seeing the movie first. And I feel like that's just so sanitized on so many levels Mm -hmm. because this book is, is really operating on way more levels than the movie is. And I liked that a lot. And then one of the things that I think then is also kind of interesting though, is like, and I don't know, you're way more on like TikTok and book talk than I am, but is that like people like to talk about how like dated this book is and I was talking about it with a friend of the pod Jesse because I'm not really again in tune with that world she said that like there's a lot of people on TikTok like take issue with the entire book because of the like one moment where Simon thinks about how like I don't even think he directly thinks that like lesbians have it easier but he's thinking about how like hard it would be to come out and like how guys give girls an easier time when they come out right like they want them to make it's out easier for lesbians because men are turned on by lesbians right yeah and i'm yeah. like okay I, I think that to put this whole book into a box based on that one statement is very reductive because a yeah. he's a 16 year old boy and b that shit happens <laughs> yeah i mean exactly i think on on some levels it's I mean, obviously it's kind of a, a gross generalization to make, but on right. some levels it is correct. And also he is, like you said, a 16 year old gay boy who I think would assume that yeah, because he doesn't know that experience. So right. to me, it feels authentic to the character. It doesn't feel like the book is making this moral right. statement um, and, and co-signing this. It is yeah. literally just the thought of a, of a, of a 16 year old. Right. And You know, that's one thing that the book doesn't really like confront as well as like challenging that perception of what it's easy. Whereas we get that in the movie via the character of Ethan. Mm -hmm. Is that his name? Ethan, who's like, because I was like, oh, you always made it look so easy. He's like, my mom still lies to my grandma and like tells her I'm dating all these girls all the time. And it's not easy. So it's like that book, I, I agree, doesn't really ever have that moment where it's like, he kind of gets it a little bit back and forth with Blue, but like Blue's parents are ultimately, Bram's parents are supportive too. So it's like, he doesn't, he's never really like forced to reckon in the book with like what it, the hard, the hardship could be like. Right. I'm just, you know, Simon, go make some lesbian friends in college and uh, <laughs> have your eyes opened a little bit, please. Yeah, no, but- I, hopefully he... He does and he will. I know that there is a college novella, like it's called Love Creek View or something. Oh, and yeah. It's all of them in college. So I we have not read that. So uh we're not <laughs> commenting on that. Maybe maybe we're proven wrong here by that. But you know, I would like to obviously have their worldviews all expanded a bit more than this this one town and this one school as they move forward. But yeah, I, I I think it just all kind of navigated through all of this and just like it felt like a really natural way. And one of the things, again, you know, having read two Becky Albertalli books at this point, <laughs> one of the things I think she does really well is like she really captures the voice of a teenager. Like I mm-hmm. think 
this book really felt like being with a teenager in a way that some of the other more contemporary YA books we've read, like particularly like Perks of Being a Wallflower, like this feels way more like how a teen would think. And, you know, again, versus like Augustus Waters too and The Fault in Our Stars. It's like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're kind of made up. <laughs> what 19-year-old talks like this ever? Exactly. So this is not really authentic. Yeah, I have this note. There's that, um, I think one of the most important scenes in the book is when he confronts Martin and is like, he says, and you know what? You don't get to say it's not a big thing. This is a big fucking thing, okay? This was, was, this was supposed to be, this is mine. I'm supposed to decide when and where and who knows and how I want to say it. Suddenly my th- my throat gets thick. So yeah, you took that from me and my notes are just like, number one, this is devastating. And number two, I really like how this is written because it it doesn't feel written. Yeah. It feels like really natural and off the cuff and, and because conversations sound like that in real life Mm -hmm. and when they're scripted, when they're written, they're very cleaned up and polished. But in, you know, when you're actually talking, there are these breaks and these kind of changes within the sentence that break it up and stuff. And I I like how a lot of the dialogue is written because it feels really natural. It it really does. I, yeah, I like that too. That scene is so horrible. I mean, because we have to talk about like the Martin of it all because yeah, Mm -hmm. that's just like, it's fucking terrible, man. Like I, he fucking sucks, dude. (laughs) Yeah. really sucks. Even his apologies suck because he's like, making excuses for himself sort of in, in one sense, but also being yeah. like, and I didn't post the screenshots and I didn't, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Like, like here's all the ways I could have been worse. So like be grateful yeah. that I wasn't, I didn't like that. I like that. Simon does point out like, well, obviously it was going to be worse because you were blackmailing me. Like you knew mm-hmm. this was a big deal. Cause like, that's what it was. And yeah, it's, it really is shitty. It sucks a lot. Like I don't really get his motivation of jealousy like dude like you have emails that simon is sending to a boy like he's not into abby like it's all because they're just like sitting like leaning up against each other like simon's arms around her or something in the hallway like man i don't i don't what a what an impulse and we'll talk about how it's different in the movie i don't want to like spill all our movie thoughts here but yeah yeah i just uh, it's, it's shitty and it's hard. It is interesting though. I, I do like that. Like Simon, as he's forced to hang out with Martin Moore, he like kind of does like him. And like, that feels true to life too. Or like you, you are almost like forced to like reckon with your, like your, your abuser. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to quite stoop to that level, but like it's, he's a bully certainly. And like, it, it's kind of interesting in this like very kind of doofy way. Like it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of like that Simon like has these moments where he's like, Oh, you're like, not really so bad because I feel like that is very true to like friendships, especially when you're younger, you're like, I don't like you. You're like a douchebag, but wait, like maybe you're not. And you kind of get those moments too, with like a character like Taylor, who again, you like have this perception of, and then you spend more time with them and you're like, Oh, like maybe she's like kind of cool. Like she ran after those guys who were being like big homophobes in the auditorium. So all that just felt like very authentic to me. I'm not saying like, oh, it's great that he liked Martin. I'm just like, I liked reading about those moments, if if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I thought that it was a good way to kind of highlight just the vulnerability of like Simon's state of mind here is mm-hmm. that, you know, he's he's being put through all of this shit by Martin, but at the same time, he's like a part of him just like still wants to have make, make connections with people yeah. and have friends and, and have 
his his people and so like he that he's almost getting like stockholm syndrome from from martin because you know he's still seeking those connections even though this guy is like doing the worst right yeah. now yeah and i feel like i don't I, I know that like martin is essentially forgiven well not for a while for a while he yeah for a while he is and then it like gets worse again yeah. but um i feel like like i i never feel like martin redeems himself in any way and uh i i just feel like his apologies are co- not coming from a place where like he genuinely understands that he did a shitty thing it's coming from like a place of guilt where he's like oh i yeah. look shitty I look shitty and this made me feel bad. So now I don't like it, but you, yeah. you know, he, he doesn't actually care. He just feels bad and he doesn't like that. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Oh, man, it's shitty. I do think it's interesting though. If I stop to think more about it and I suppose that's the on this podcast, I don't <laughs> think more about it, but I haven't like stopped and think of, to think about it at this point. Like why then Simon chooses like after that, after it's posted to like come out to his parents, like on the one hand, I get it because it's like, well, this thing's out there now. So like, I need to control the narrative. But on the other Mm -hmm. hand, it's not like he's concerned about his parents finding out because like he knows they're ultimately going to be pretty cool with it. So it's like kind of interesting to me that that's when he chooses to do it. Like it happens and it's Christmas day. And like, I do think it, the, narrative at that point too he's like he's talking about how it doesn't feel really like Christmas because like this has all been like nagging at him and like Mm. it it doesn't have the same feeling and so uh I get I guess I just talked myself into getting like why he does it then but it just feels a, a little bit at the risk of seeming like he's only coming out because of this like horrible bad thing, like because he was forced to be outed. And I don't think that that is really where the trajectory of his journey is. Like it's a lot about his personal choice, even though that element isn't. So I was just kind of like starting to think, Oh my, like, do I like that? Like as a narrative choice, but I think that there's enough there like to balance it out. So it's like not just him being like bullied into coming out, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I mean, it definitely felt to me, like you said, like him taking control of the narrative and, and yeah, maybe this was taken away from him by Martin. Um, and at least, especially to the school, yeah. but at least he can have this with his yeah, parents, that's true. his family. I do really like a lot of the parent stuff here too, in the book feels kind of like, again, I think just how kids relate to their parents too. Like, it's almost like a commentary on like helicopter parroting because they're like, all the time just like all up in his business that everything mm-hmm. and everything he does is like such a big deal and I actually like really love this from his mom which is kind of we'll talk again about the movie in a bit but it's different than in the movie but she says something like it's like you have this baby and eventually starts doing stuff and I used to be able to see every tiny change and it was so fascinating she smiles sadly and now I'm missing stuff the little things and it's hard to let go of that but Simon spends so much time thinking about like how embarrassing it is that like every time I do something different, it blows their mind. And like, Mm -hmm. I just feel like that's a very normal and like rational way to explain like why his parents are like that. Why a lot of parents are like that. And I, I, I like that too. And I think he needed that because he was just like, I can't be me. (laughs) You all are freaking out every time I do something different. Like (laughs) it feels super understandable from both sides. Yeah, it totally does. 
And I really, I like his sisters both too in this book. It seems like there's like a lot more there. And from what I can tell in my Google research that like neither sister really gets more airtime in the mm. Creek verse, but um, I liked them both. It's a nice little sibling relationship. And then let's, yeah. I guess, talk about the friends because I really like the friendships in this book. Uh, let's talk about Leah because she's probably like the biggest change from book to movie. Uh, and I love book Leah because she's just like prickly and like mm-hmm. is just kind of like miserable all the time. But like, I get why you are Leah yeah. and like, you're not really apologetic about it. And I appreciate that about you. Well, there's this really good uh, from Simon and it's when he and Nick and Abby decide to go out on their own and to not invite Leah along. Mm. And, and he thinks she'll be moody, moody and snarly about Nick and Abby. She'll be weird about Midtown. And I don't know how to describe it really, but her self-consciousness is contagious sometimes. And like, I get that. And the thing is, I, yeah. I do, I feel really bad for Leah for getting left out here. And I totally understand why she's so mad about it. But I also get it. Like, like being around that kind of downer energy is like, oh, yeah. it's exhausting sometimes. And I say that as somebody who is that energy, like I, <laughs> I am a Leah energy type of person. So like, and you know, I, I can totally see how people might just be exhausted by that. Yeah, no, I totally get, but on the same side too, like I, I, I love her jealousy at Simon telling Abby first, like, because mm-hmm. that just also feels so real to like a lot of my teenage experience, like getting jealous of friends doing other things. And it's like, I've had to do a lot of work, even in my thirties and being like, "Mm, I'm not going to have FOMO about this anymore. Like, you know, I, I, that happens still. I'm a super jealous friend. So I totally understand that too. Yeah. And so I, I like that. It makes a lot of sense. And I love Simon's explanation about that too. Like, yeah. This, I think, is just in his um, internal monologue, but like in this gay thing, it feels so big. It's almost insurmountable. I don't know how to tell them something like this and still come out of it feeling like Simon, because if Leah and Nick don't recognize me, I don't even recognize myself anymore. Mm -hmm. So like Nick and Leah are his two oldest friends. Abby's new to the school this year. They've only been friends a few months. It's like not as shocking of a change to like. Right. She won't have to like rewire what she thinks and feels about him in the same way that Nick and Leah will. Correct. So like that whole thing just ties really well into again the idea that this is just like Simon learning to like grow and change and that's involves many different things but Mm -hmm. primarily in this book being gay I and I love how the friends react in the book too they're just all very chill about it like they're fine with it like obviously Abby is rightfully a little pissed that like he Mm -hmm. was willing to like pawn Martin off on her but She's also very understanding about it. Like, you know, she definitely has a right to be angry and, but she's very understanding and compassionate, which is a thing about the movie that we can talk about in a little bit that really, really upsets me. Yeah. And I think this is an interesting thing with, um, with the way he, he like protects Martin throughout the book, uh, Mm. and not revealing like who, and like, until he absolutely has to, who has been blackmailing him and, and everything else. And I wonder if part of that is because like when, when Abby confronts him and, and is like, you know, you like, this is shitty what you did. Like, you need to know that, like, it's kind of shitty that you would try to make these choices for me. Like, I understand that you were being blackmailed and this and that, but like you of all people should understand that you don't get to make these choices for other people. And I wonder if part of the reason why he didn't reveal who had been blackmailing him was because like subconsciously a part of him did 
know like objectively that it was shitty that he was doing that and just didn't because yeah. he thinks in that moment when she says that he's like oh my god I didn't even consider the angle that like what what, what I was doing yeah. to Abby I didn't even consider the angle but I think maybe subconsciously a part of him did yeah no that makes a lot of sense too I kind of looked at it as like he at that point like it's the the secret is out there and it's just like I'm moving on and I'm owning it. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like how his sister is like, oh, are you going to deny it? And he's like, no, I'm not ashamed of it. Like, it's yeah. true. But I like your interpretation of it. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, it is like objectively wrong. Uh, yeah. So I, I like how it's handled a lot in the book. I just really, they're just like really sweet friendship moments too in this book. Like, did you just tell us you're gay? Asks Nick. Yes. Okay. He says, Abby Swatson. What? That's all you're <laughs> going to say. Okay. He said not to make a big deal out of it. Nick says, what am I supposed to say? Say something supportive. I don't know. Or awkwardly hold his hand. Like I did anything. Nick and I look at each other. I'm not holding your hand. I tell him smiling a little. All right. He nods, but know that I would. It's just like, <laughs> it's cute. I like, I like their friendship stuff. I love the whole trip to like when they ditch Leah sorry Leah mm-hmm. um and they go into Atlanta and I love they take that. him to like the gay restaurant oh it's so good it's and I love Peter there too like hitting on him and buying him drinks before he realizes that he's like a teenager yeah but all of his friends being so sweet to him and and making him feel really welcome in that community and it's his first like real kind of venture into that community and how once he realizes that like Simon is a literal teenager that he just like, I think he like kisses him on the forehead and he's like, go be 17, like go back to yeah, your friends and, totally and be a kid. I really love that. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of really cute, like side friend moments. Like Cal has really good moments. Like mm-hmm. I want Cal's love story. I love his confession to Simon after Simon is, is, uh, forced out of the closet that Cal tells him that he's bisexual. Like it's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of sweet stuff. It is really good. Yeah. It, it's just like a very like feel good book in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. I just, I really like it. All the conflict feels very natural and feels like it, it's not like mind too much either. I just, I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this book. I think it's like kind of, I don't want to say necessarily subvertive, but like it kind of is in its simplicity a little bit, like it's, it's a book, it's really good, but like, it's kind of a hitting a lot of these things, but it's not hitting you over the head with, with, yeah ideologies and like it's just I I I see why it became as popular as it did uh but what really struck me and I think maybe it's a good way to wrap up like the main book discussion is the romance in this book like I was shocked like how great it was first of all as someone who likes to swear herself it's very refreshing to read books in which teenagers swear because Mm -hmm. they do and it's like page two we're getting f bombs from Simon and I love it so much but like it's horny and like teenagers are horny. And I mm-hmm. love that for this book. Like <laughs> so at one point he's like, he's like, in one hand, I've got my phone. The other hand was occupied. Like he, right after he talks to blue and I was like, <laughs> this is exactly as horny as it should be. Like in obviously not in like a, a gross way or like, a, you know, no. teenagers, but in a very just authentic to teenagers way. Yeah. And I think, again, it's one of those things where it's illustrated by showing how the movie is lacking but like mm-hmm. all the email exchanges in the movie are so much again focused on the idea of coming out that's like you're not really fostering that relationship but like you get so much more detail obviously it's a book so you're gonna get more detail but like the emails are so good because you do get them flirting and mm-hmm. you get them talking about their lives and it's just 
The flirting is good. The journey to them falling in love makes sense. It makes so much sense. And in the movie, it's one of those like showing, don't tell, you know, not telling things where you're just, I think you have this in your notes, but so I'm stealing it from you. But you, you said something about how the movie is so focused on the mystery of who blue is that you're not actually paying attention to like what they're communicating to each other and how they're falling in love. And yeah. uh, Yeah. The movie misses that in a big way. Yeah. Cause I was just like, at the end, I was like, these boys, I love them. And I like, I love so much about how their story ends in this book. And that like, doesn't really end. Like you're getting mm-hmm. just the beginning of it. And well, I think that's perfect because Simon is like, I like no endings. I like things that don't end. And then like a couple of pages later, the book just doesn't end. Yeah. Like, just, it is perfect. Yeah. And I really like to the level of like understanding that they have of each other, like the, the whole, the whole way the end works out and like, we'll talk about the movie in a minute, but like the way the end works out in the book is just so perfect for them. You know, Bram has been so concerned about coming out and has been so hesitant to provide personal details about himself to Simon throughout this. So Simon gives him a, a, a way to connect that is very private and like, it's not a public hoopskadoo, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. But also I really like too that, you know, the idea of Bram figuring out who Simon was so early on and like having it kind of be like wish fulfillment for him because he like always liked oh, I him. Love it so much. Oh, I love it so, so much. Good. It's just it's a real <laughs> the romance in this book is really, really good. And I that's what I think I ultimately really liked about this book because yeah, it's, it's showing like an important thing in coming out and like you're changing identity in many different levels, but it also like, it's a really fun, sweet romance and like, it's super compelling. And I just, I really, really was so shocked at how much I liked the romance because that's not Mm -hmm. what I think about when I think about the movie at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's so incidental almost. Yeah. But, oh my God, I like was like... (laughs) I was way up way too late reading this book <laughs> last night. Just like holding it. I was like, oh my God, baby. It is, it's, it's, I can see how this book could easily become anybody's like comfort read. You know, it just really, it just feels mm-hmm. good. It feels good mm-hmm. to read it. I think I was messaging you because I read it first and I was just like, my face hurts. I'm just smiling. Like I just feel good. Oh so God. Um, yeah. And I never feel this way uh, about like single POVs usually where I'm like, oh, I would love to read this book from this person's POV mm-hmm. because it always feels like a, like a cash grab, like a yeah. very Stephanie Meyer. This is Edward's version of Twilight, <laughs> but I would absolutely in a heartbeat read this book from Bram's POV, yeah. like knowing who Simon is so early on yeah. and, and just like, you know, hoping that it's Simon before he figured, like, I just, I would love to see this from Bram's POV. Yeah. It would be good. And like Bram's emails are like really good. Like I don't, I blame that like, like, um, uh, red, white and Royal blue. And, and this book, like maybe I'm just very into swoony email correspondence. Mm. Like that's, that's maybe a thing I have. Yeah. Well, what I really loved about this too, is that like the flirting is so juvenile, but like in a really mm-hmm. endearing way, like this is how two 16 year old boys would flirt. It's just real cute. It's really, real really cute. cute. Yeah. I, I really, I really love that. And I, you know, I think, I guess before we like turn to the movie totally, I think we like want to touch briefly if we can just look on this book again, we kind of talked about it a little bit like in how it's being perceived nowadays, but like kind of on its legacy in like LGBTQIA, like YA literature, because it has been really 
raked through the coals a little bit here and Becky Albertalli has, and we've talked before briefly on this podcast about the the critique she got about writing this book before she was out. And now she is out and her coming out was critiqued and like the poor woman is like, can't catch a break. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that in a lot of ways too, like this book, it's only six years old, but really we've come a long way in six years and there's Mm -hmm. probably, there probably are other books that do this type story, quote unquote, better or more in a more progressive way or in a, in just a a more diverse way in a more, more in-depth way. But I think really what this book is, I think it stands up really well. I do too. I see why, again, just mere six years ago, why this would have been a book that would capture so many people's attention and you know we're all evolving as a collective hopefully towards the better but that doesn't mean there isn't a place for books like this that I feel like like you yeah. said it can be good comfort um it doesn't have to be perfect yeah I really don't think that it commits any like egregious missteps no. at all I think it suffers from extreme popularity it got really popular anything that reaches those heights yeah. is gonna you know people have to drag it down a little bit. And, you know, that's fine. And like you said, there are a lot of uh, more diverse books of this nature and we should absolutely read those as well. But I don't think that that means there's anything like inherently bad about this book or you're bad for liking it. Right. Um, It doesn't really do any, like, you know, it's not doing a whole lot. Like we said at the top of this episode, it's not doing a ton, but what it does, it does really nicely. And I think that's fine. Yeah. Especially because, and then this is a good segue into the movie, because I don't think that this book is like a coming out book. Like it is, Mm -hmm. but it isn't like it's the homo sapiens agenda is a lot of things in this book. It's just Simon being a kid and, and growing up. And I, I tend to be a little more, and again, this might be my own biases because I'm trying to like justify why I like the things I like, but we've talked about it with like Rainbow Row, writing Queer Couple and Simon and Baz and the Gary Ann books, but like books that aren't like focused on like the nitty gritty of like the queer experience, the gay experience, like, which I, I don't think this book falls into that, that specific category. I'm more like, okay, like this is for what it is. It is, it is good. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. a good example of what it is. And yeah, so I, I was very pleasantly surprised at how much I like it because again, it's impossible to be anywhere into the book community online and not like be touched by this and poor Becky Abertali is still like constantly like has to deal with this, this stuff mm-hmm. all the time. All of her Facebook or her Instagram posts and her TikToks are always just about how like she's still being so heavily criticized and it's really upsetting. So Becky, I loved your book. It's good. <laughs> Be cool, guys. Yeah, seriously. But you know what is a coming out story? The movie Love Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the movie take it spends so much time focusing on the wrong emotional moments or like exploiting them in ways that yeah. just felt really unnecessarily unnecessary and like I don't know, adding drama to situations that didn't need it because there's already drama there. Like there's already conflict there. You don't need to add more to make it, you know, like I just, Mm -hmm. I don't like feeling like I'm being emotionally manipulated. I don't think I felt that way the first time I saw the movie, but now that I've read the book and I see what they're changing and what they've done, I'm like, you are literally just making these decisions to like, try to make your audience upset. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's very, it's very bizarre 
just again the the kind of shifting of the focus here and it tries to do like this one big thing aka Simon's coming out story and have Mm -hmm. that be the focus that everything else just feels tacked on and like rushed Mm -hmm. and like disingenuous in a lot of ways including the romance including some of the friendship stuff which we'll get into and it's just yeah it's really weird I think I used the phrase like it's with you off air maybe it's my notes I can't remember but like it's like just like hitting us over the head with the gay hammer like Mm -hmm. it's just like lest you forget like what's going on here including but not limiting limited to how he pledges to be working in college and there's that whole montage in his dorm room where he's got like this wall and like all these rainbow clad dancers dance to uh Whitney Houston Houston. and like I enjoyed watching that scene but then afterwards I'm like what is this? Like, what are you doing? Like, we literally just said when talking about the book that we want Simon to go to college and like become more open-minded, but like that was not what that scene was. Yeah, no. It was coming on the heels of like, he sends some sort of email about like wondering whether like the gay thing will last and like he's pledging to be more gay when he goes to college. I'm like, what's, what are these words? Like, this doesn't (laughs) make sense. It's very gay as a performance. Yes. Yes. And it's weird. And as I said before, I think the movie kind of veers slightly a little bit more towards gay panic than the book does. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, Simon in the book is feeling like he doesn't want this secret to be added, but a lot of it has to do with like he wants to protect Blue too. Like he immediately thinks like Blue is so secretive, like this will devastate Blue, like if this comes out. But in the book, it's way more like no one knows, which is like, again, a very important thing. We talked about that scene that we really like. Uh, where he confronts Martin about it and how he took this from him. And that that obviously is important, but it's just not something about it. It's just all like feels just very like, again, sanitized and like, this is what this should be like. And I totally get that now is like a very valid criticism of this mm-hmm. movie. And just the way the, the movie made every character from the book, just like worse, yeah. <laughs> like less likable somehow. Um, and also yeah. like, obviously we need to talk about the Leah casting we need to talk about Leah. Full yeah. stop. But yes, yeah, I agree. Uh, Leah in the book is described as a fat character. Yeah. And she has a lot of uh, self-consciousness about her appearance. Doesn't feel like, you know, people could could be attracted to her. And, and you know, she, it just bothers me so much that they're going to cast Catherine Langford in this, who is an objectively just sort of outrageously attractive person. Like mm-hmm. she is kind of she's stunningly beautiful and you're having these words come from that kind of character it feels really disingenuous not that like attractive people can't ever feel that way and feel self-conscious and but it's just one of those things where it's like you're taking you're taking representation away from people some people are going to read this book and feel really connected to Leah and her her body image issues and her self-consciousness and and the way that makes her really prickly and surly sometimes um and then you're going to you're going to have her words come out of someone who looks like Catherine Langford, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That just, it doesn't make sense. Like and it, everything, I agree with everything you said. And then like, I absolutely hate the narrative choice to have Leah be in love with Simon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it just makes her look petty for, for being mad that like Simon is gay and won't ever be into her. Like if it's, it's bad. Yeah. And like the way the that confrontation goes in the book is that it's like after the fact, Simon's come out, she finds out they're all mad at him. And I don't mm-hmm. like that because I, hate it. I, I, it's all 
there's all valid valid things there. Like Abby's mad about him telling Martin, but like in the book, that does she doesn't find that out until after Simon's like been outed. And so mm-hmm. they get to have that supportive moment. And then she gets to have the moment where she's like, I can't believe you did this to me. And like in the same way, like they lump together this conversation where Leah is like, and you told Abby and I'm in love with you. And I'm, it's, I'm not in love with Nick. Like, what do you think? It's just like, it's too much. And all just comes off on that is I'm attacking Simon mm-hmm. right after he's been outed. Yeah. There's legitimate conflict there that they mm-hmm. have things to work through on an interpersonal level, but like, that's just not what he needs at that moment. And it's just like a very puzzling narrative choice. It- I don't like it at all. It really feels like a gross overreaction to like a shitty situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the book when, you know, we've talked about like Abby was understandably upset. Um, but also in the book, Simon more or less really avoided the whole Martin thing. He invited Martin out with them a few times, but he never actively tried to hook them up. Yeah. In the movie, he actively tries to get them together and actively tries to keep Nick and Abby apart. So it's much worse. But at the same time, their reaction still feels like a huge overreaction. Yeah. Um, especially considering like the horrible thing that's just happened to Simon and literally all that they care about is that Simon kept Nick and Abby from hooking up for a couple months when they yeah. liked each other yeah. on the on the scale of like things that are big deals. Like, come on, you guys, your friend was just outed. You're, he's got homophobic attacks against him, like bullying and shit. And when that happens in the cafeteria, when they come in and they do that fucking gross homophobic display yeah. and his friends are at a different table, they just look over at him and they don't fucking do anything. I don't care how mad you are at your friend. Yeah. That's if so somebody bad. does that shit to them, you can yeah. beat some asses. Like I'm not sitting on my ass for that. Like they just look like petty shitty people. Yeah. And it makes me so mad. Yeah. And like the way Nick, when they're confronting Simon, the way Nick looks like he wants to physically fight Simon. Yeah. Because, because he didn't help him hook up with Abby. Like what, what? Yeah. It's, it's not good. I don't like it at all because especially after you read the book and you're like, Mm -hmm. I really like this group of friends. Like this sucks to see that. Mm -hmm. Um, in a lot of ways though, let's talk about Martin because we kind of did talk about him there in a second, but like some of the adaptive changes with respect to Martin, I do kind of like I think the guy who plays him is very great because he 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 does this whole like he really get a sense of like what an outsider Martin is in a way mm-hmm. that you start to sort of feel bad for him. Um, I really actually like the scene where he's like Abby Susan or deserves a damn superhero like in the restaurant like I was super cringe I was so cringy the, the, <laughs> the secondhand it. embarrassment. Um, for me the hardest scene is the football scene which is terrible Mm -hmm. um and so cringy i said tony hale pulling his hat over his face is all honestly Um, but i i i do like that simon after that happens calls to check in on martin which is like a really nice moment but one thing i don't like is that okay i talked about in the book like the jealousy is not a great motivator, but it's way better than here, which is just like, he doesn't get the girl. So it's like very like incel is not a word, but it's like very incel behavior. It's like mm-hmm. the girl said no to me. And so I'm going to take it out on Simon. Like, yeah. what? Like, yes, he can't it's make real bad. Her, like, she's not a commodity that yeah. Simon can give you, Martin. Like, right. what the hell? 
Um, She's, she doesn't belong to Simon in any way for him to be able to give her away. Like it's, it's yeah. a gross thing. Like I said, like this movie just makes everybody worse. Like in the book, Martin never releases the emails. He outs Simon. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But he doesn't actually show those screenshots. Yeah. And that feels way worse because the way that he outs Simon in the book feels like it could almost just be like an attack or like, a, like a, like not even a, a true thing. Like you're right. lying, you know, just right. throwing some stupid words out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's much worse with the releasing of the actual emails that are all very intimate. It's uh, it's, it's real fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, don't like it. I don't, I don't like that too. I don't like even like some of the good moments in this movie too. Like the teacher takedown. Like I love the theater mm-hmm. teacher in both the she's very different in the book versus the movie. I feel at least my read on her yeah. in the book. But like I love the takedown in the cafeteria. But she also like when she brings them down, she's like, You guys are gonna be like fat, unemployed, blah blah blah. I'm like, can we stop with the why? <laughs> is that an insult here? Like that was really annoying to me. I also think too, this is my note. There's absolutely no good reason to have the principal character in this except that I love Tony Hale and everything always. So I'm delighted by him in this movie, but it really just goes to show again, how this is so much more focused on Simon's coming out because like the real only purpose of him is to be like a support for him when everything's posted, which is just like, it's, it's stupid. And I don't, I don't need that. I, I, I I do. I mean, I love Josh Jamal and I love Jennifer Gardner think they're great in this movie they definitely are like tweaked to each other like one big emotional moment with simon mm-hmm. and i i do love jennifer garner's whole speech about like you can exhale now simon like i could tell you had this tension within you yeah. and like i like that on the whole i think it's like a beautiful speech but i i it does again kind of come off of like simon was like super scared to be gay which is like not necessarily like where the i land on the book but like it's a great scene and I yeah. do like the Josh Duhamel scene too. So like, I'm, I like the parents of the movie. Oh yeah. A lot. I mean, they're different, but like, it's fine. Oh, another thing too, just the thing that like takes me out, out of it, like the teacher fat shaming the future children and things like that. There are two, two references to our most recent previous president in this book. And I don't need that in the movie, in a movie. Yeah. So let's not talk about him in a movie. There's two. Wasn't it still two references so early that it was like people were still considering it like a joke and it just got so bad that like it on, on rewatch or, or like later, you're just like, Oh, this is not, yeah, this doesn't feel cutesy or like, like it's trying to be funny about it, but it's just not. Yeah. I will admit to have only watched this movie previously on a flight home from Australia and like not even the Australia to like America leg, but like the California to home leg, which was like hours 20 through 24 of travel. Mm-hmm. So like maybe a lot of things are going over my head, but I don't remember yeah. those. I don't remember them either. Now I'm like, oh yeah, no, like I don't want to talk about this. It stands out. <laughs> yeah. It stands out super hard now. Um, I also don't like um, Bram making out with a girl Mm. at the party because that feels it's placed there just to be like a super cheap fake out like a mislead i i don't know why we needed to do that yeah and speaking of changes to bram that i don't like so bram in the book knows who simon is well before Mm -hmm. the post that martin makes it's just basically like oh simon's 
looking for like anal butt sex and Simon's like that's redundant <laughs> I was told you I, when I picked up this book at the store I was like walking up to the cashier and I just kind of like flipped open to a random page and the mm-hmm. first words I saw of this book were anal butt sex <laughs> I was like oh <laughs> and right. we're there and we're there <laughs> yeah so like in the book though Rem knows who Simon is all in before that post is made and then is it continues to be a support for Jacques, even though like he knows it's Simon. So it's like he's putting mm. things together and he's being super supportive. So I just think that Book Bram would never ditch Simon and delete no. his email no. after Simon has outed in such a horrible way. Never. And especially because when this had happened in the book, like Book Bram had gotten Simon and Elliot Smith's shirt and left it in his on his locker, including a note being like, you know, when you want to meet up or whatever, like, it just feels like a rewrite of his character to have him be so. And then we've talked about this off air too, but the whole, the whole Ferris wheel thing. Yeah. Let's talk about it. (laughs) About this, this book being about like, you know, Simon's trauma from being forcibly outed. And then he sets up a very public announcement situation to forcibly to out somebody yeah and yeah. then if and then if he doesn't show up then he looks like a dick you know yeah totally it's not great the first time i saw the movie i'm like i love this everyone's clapping mm-hmm. and like it is movie magic in a lot of ways like but it does feel so wrong to i guess i kind of didn't connect it in the movie like obviously bram is very freaked out he deletes his email and stops speaking to simon which i don't think is in his character for the book to mm-hmm. do so like it's even worse than when Simon's like gonna do this very big public thing because it's yeah. like he's basically like you made me brave now it's your turn to be brave it's like Simon do we not learn anything right and so, he, yeah he's setting him up to either have to come out against his will or look like a douchebag right. and that's just not it's not fair at all it's so much sweeter and intimate in the book where it's like mm-hmm. hidden and like Bram has talked about as blue like getting sick on rides and you ride the salt world anyway like i yeah i totally agree like it's a nice new moment in the movie like i think it's just an example of the movie focusing like hyper focusing on the emotional moments that should not be focused on in that way or like expanding on these moments in a way that takes away from their emotional impact instead of adding to it yeah um, it, it feels cheap it, it yeah. cheapens their Get their get together by doing yeah. it in that way yeah i do i do i don't know why there's some martin moments that work for me i do mm-hmm. like when he comes in at the end i do like yeah that's like my day. one martin moment that yeah I'm like, i like that it is nice so yeah i mean like i still enjoy the movie it's for what it is again i think it's very different than the book like most of it is like fine like just like if i step back and i like don't look at it too hard like it's heartwarming. It's very much like la la la, like <laughs> like liberals. Like we we support our gay children. Like this right. is great. Like and that's like all fine. Like I I it's fine. Um, it's enjoyable in some ways, but the book is just like I don't even want to say like more richer because again I think the book is very elegant in its simplicity. It's just like not trying to be so ham fisted and so yeah. Yeah. like over the top in the movie is and like it's a sweet movie but like it's funny because normally when I watch a movie before I read the book um even if the movie is like a 
like a, a quote unquote bad adaptation of the source material, I'll usually have some fondness for the movie still. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it won't be as like cut and dry as like when you read the book first and you're like, the book is definitely better. You definitely prefer the book more. Um, yeah. Usually when I watch a movie first, before I read the book, I still like the movie a lot, but this time I was like, this changed the whole movie yeah. for me in, in a did. way that yeah. I just cannot come back from. Yeah. What really makes me like really seems to illustrate to me the difference between like the book and the movie is the, the distinction between love Victor season one and season two. Have you watched love Victor at all? Mm-mm. So love Victor is a spinoff in the Simon verse in the Creek verse. And it is about a kid who moves to uh, the town and goes to the same high school and because Simon is like infamous for his whole like coming out story and what he has to do, he decides to like start sending Simon like basically Twitter DMs or like Instagram DMs to like navigate his own like coming out story. And so like Simon, like it's literally it's Nick Robinson like speaking back and forth with Victor in season one, which is like kind of a very weird narrative construction I don't love. Interesting yeah it's like it's not, it, it, and it's so like kumbaya like let me guide you through this and then sometimes of course no victor i can't tell you like you need to make this choice on your own and so it's so sanitized too much like the movie is but season one of that show they intended it to be a disney plus show and then disney plus pulled it because they said there was too much adult content and they tried to say it was because it was like there's a scene where there's like drugs and drinking at a party or something but it's like Really, you didn't didn't want this gay show on your Mm -hmm. um, screen, but then, so then it went to Hulu, but all of season one was done, but then season two, they were like, fuck it, we're on Hulu, and like literally episode one, we've got like Victor and his boyfriend like in bed together, and it was just like, it's, it's so sexy, like they, they, these kids are like being kids, like, but like, yeah, it is how it is in the book. And they kind of pull back a little bit too, like pretty early on. Victor's like, I don't know if I should like talk to you so much about this climate. Like me, I'll talk to other people. <laughs> but it's like, it's very, it's funny to see that like, it's almost like the reverse happened um, with within book to movie and then season one to season two of yeah. Love, Victor. And we do get um, Bram cameos too, though. Because I do like Bram. The actor plays him is very sweet. And like, he's very mm-hmm. cute and they're, they're good together. And then like, there's very funny flashes to like college Nick Robinson, uh, college Simon. Or- Do I want to watch the show now? I had no interest. Before. I really like, I watched season one in quarantine. It came out and it was like a very easy binge and it was cute. Cause you do get to see, like, there's a whole scene where Victor like flees and goes to New York, uh, which is where Simon goes to college in the, in the movie or in the show and so he spends time with him there like that's kind of cute but then season two Tasia I really like season two there's a great like love triangle that's set up for Victor like there's great ships like I really like I really like season two a lot All right, so I think me. you should watch you it me. it's on Hulu uh it's good um and like I said you get keep Bram and Simon moments but yeah like season one is a little it's like watching the movie again yeah. it's what's going to be like for you but then season two is really good so yeah I mean this was I'm, I'm really glad we did this and read this though because I I like I said I liked the movie but like I just assumed the book would just be like 
fine. And like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't really take a lot from it. And I really did like it a lot. So. I think the problem is I, I expected the movie or the book to be sanitized like the movie was. Yeah. Like, I really did not expect it to be what it what it turned out to be. Just like the romance, man. The yeah. book, oh, the sweatshirt or the t-shirt under the pillow with the note in it. T-shirt with the note in it. And the fact that he never even wears the shirt, he just sleeps with it under his pillow. Ah! It's (laughs) so cute. It's so much. Anyway, so let's, okay, we're getting into our superlatives here. Do we want to start with adaptation choices while we're on the movie? Sure. All right, so my worst adaptation choice, I'll start with worst, just get it out of the way, is the Leah, like, being in love with Simon stuff. I just think it's just icky. Don't mm-hmm. like it. And I say that as someone who, again, theater kid. So, like, this was a very real issue that I had in high school. Like, my high school boyfriend, like, is now out. Like, great, fine. Like, so I, like, get those, like, complicated yeah. feelings. I feel you, movie Leah. But I just, like, don't like that change narratively. Um, On a related note, it was also very offensive to me now, having read the book, how much they stripped the theater kidness of uh, from yeah. the book out of the movie, but it's fine. I'll I'll live. I'll move on. <laughs> but anyway, so that's my worst adaptation change. What was your worst? Um, my worst was Simon actively, actively trying to set Martin and Abby up because that did feel mm. really gross. Yeah. Yes. My best adaptation choice was I did like how the character of Ethan was used again. If I take this as a movie that is way more like focused on the coming out story I think his character serves an important foil for Simon and I liked mm-hmm. him a lot and so that was good the best one I didn't really have because I I didn't really like any of the changes that were made although you do bring up a good point about Ethan but mine was more of like a sticking with the book part which was um Simon's speech which was I think lifted verbatim from the book um, to, to Martin about Martin outing him and kind of stealing that from him. Good one. All right. Now to our normal superlatives. These will be for book only favorite quote. Want to go first? Sure. This is a, a Simon internal POV, but he says, uh, really though, there are only two kinds of weather, hoodie weather and weather where you wear a hoodie anyway. And that is a, a, a big mood. Mm, cool show. Uh, this one's a kind of soft moment. Could have stuck it in soon, I suppose. The way I feel about him is like a heartbeat, soft and persistent, underlying everything. That's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, your turn. Uh, this is again Simon, and he thinks, I don't think I can keep this up. I don't care if it ruins everything. I'm this close to making out with my laptop screen. Mood. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I take a sip of my beer, and it's I mean, it's just astonishingly disgusting. I don't think I was expecting it to taste like ice cream, but holy fucking hell, people lie and get fake IDs and sneak into bars. And for this, I honestly think I'd rather make out with Bieber, the dog, or Justin. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that the dog's name is Bieber. It's, great. it's not entirely wrong either. No. It's an acquired taste for sure. It is. Anyway, your turn. This is a in, in correspondence with Blue. Straight people should have to come out and the more... And the more awkward it is, the better. Awkwardness should be a requirement. I guess this is sort of our version of the homosexual agenda. Love it. 
I do like that's a, a, a moment in the movie. I think I would like to point out like the montage the of everyone montage, having to yeah. come out. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm straight and they're like, I don't even know you at all. This is me laugh. This is this is when he's talking about how he discovered like dreary slash fic. And I'm like, oh my God. And then he's like, that's the summer I learned how to do laundry. And then he says, there are some socks that shouldn't be washed by your mom. <laughs> and it's so funny, but it's like, this is what do we mean when the movie is so sanitized. It's like, he's a horny yeah. teenage boy. Like, I love this. I love it. It's very it's <laughs> We love very a funny. considerate son, too. Who, uh, yes, know, yes. Does not make his mother crack his uh, bed sheets. Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Probably. <laughs> all right i'll probably never have a boyfriend i'm too busy trying not to be in love with someone who isn't real which is i mean for people that are constantly simping for fictional characters also an eternal mood i feel seen <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh favorite character in arc i think obviously my favorite character arc is simon mm-hmm. i just really love bram like his yeah. emails are great the end like he's just what I really love about Bram is at the end you know he's been so nervous through all of his emails and then like he's just all in at the end he's so yeah so great he's so, made his choice and he's full in I love that um yeah little Oreo date is fucking adorable. Uh, great um, I'm not even soon yet and I can't I know me, so what, do, uh, what are yeah, your... uh same okay same across cool. the board all right I'll go first because I have two moments noted here I was going to, oh, so sorry. This is favorite soon. <laughs> sorry to our listeners. This is favorite soon. In case you couldn't tell, because we've been swooning for like 10 minutes. Stay on brand, Cronentation. <laughs> okay, this is my first one. I was going to ask you to see a movie, he says, smiling. When he smiles, I smile. No movies. I hate movies. Oh, really? Really, really? Why would I want to watch other people kissing, I say, when I could be kissing you? it's like cheesy but like it just works for me because they're just like so giddy at that point like uh anyway uh this was the note i think that bram left in the t-shirt that um that simon finds later and it says p.s i love the way you smile like you don't realize you're doing it i love your perpetual bedhead i love the way you hold eye contact a moment longer than you need to and i love your moon gray eyes so if you think i'm not attracted to you simon you're crazy what a fucking swoon of a, ah! of a note. I know. It's so good. And oh God, I just like love that they're into each other. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's really endearing and like real. Like, and like, I, I, this, I don't mean to sound like a pervert because this is the line we walk sometimes of like talking about YA books, but like, it's really just like the end, like the scene where they're in his bed, like when his, his sister, like gave them time at at home alone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're like, obviously into each other. And like the book talks about that, but they think about like, Simon thinks about how they're not going to like take that step yet, but like, they're going to someday. It's just like, it's very real. Yeah. Like, and I, I just appreciated that. Yeah. Like we've said before on this podcast, we like for these characters for them, we, we like it for them when they get to have sexy moments we're not liking it for us it's, exactly it's not about sure. that okay but this made my this did make my heart pitter patter a little bit i can't believe you rode the tilt a whirl for me i must really like you he says so i lean in towards him and my heart is in my chest i want to hold your hand i say softly because we're in public because i don't know if he's out so hold it he says and i do 
And you see, you contrast that with the way he forces Bram to come out in the movie, yeah. basically. Like, yeah. and, and when they have that meetup in the book, it's just so much more special. And, and he yeah. asks because they're in public, like, I want to hold your hand. It's just, oh, it's so good. That's so good. Good book. Good pick. I'm mm-hmm. glad we did it. It was fun. It was. Look at us doing a contemporary YA. Who are we? <laughs> you don't even know us anymore. Speaking of next week. <laughs> Yes. We're uh, back on our bullshit. So <laughs> <laughs> next week, Asia, tell us what we're reading next week. <laughs> Why don't I say that? You're obviously going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> what would I do without you, Corinne? I don't know. <laughs> next week, we are covering Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne Jones uh, with a very special guest, someone we haven't ever had on before. So that should be fun. And we are also going to be talking about the movie. Look at us keep doing these books and movies. It's super fun. I am super excited because I have no Howl's Moving Castle reference point whatsoever. I've never read the book. I've never seen the movie. So excited for you. I mean, I think generally you and I are both against dubbing, but we will be watching the dubbed version because Mm -hmm. Christian Bale's Howl is so good. Is that correct? Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're doing. Uh, and I'm excited about it. And I can't wait to read it. In the meantime, Tasia, where can our listeners find you online? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at RagyCakes. You can find me on Instagram at Rin underscore reads. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at ActuAge. You can choose an email if you'd like at ActuAgePod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate that. Get us up in those search results, help more people find us, and we'd love to connect with more people. So uh, please do that. That would be great. Otherwise, friends, have a good couple weeks because our next episode will be in two weeks going back to that bi-weekly format for a little <laughs> remember bit when we had that yeah I know. I know I think we're only going back for like one episode too it's it's, it's fine. fine we know what we're doing here just every other Friday or maybe every Friday there will be <laughs> a podcast just keep tagging friends surprise more often than not probably there will be a podcast uh but yes this one will be two weeks from today and you can't tell we're like recording this weirdly late at night and they're getting slap happy so we're gonna log off it happens now. every time we record at night and uh i think and it just it tell. makes it extra spicy so thanks for sticking with us this very <laughs> rambling ending we'll see you in a couple weeks friends bye bye